Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks Sean Dyche is just Sam Allardyce in desperate need of a strepsil or a gobstopper. As has become the norm on this show, we're going to be discussing a number of different topics, but there's no prizes for guessing which subject is front and centre of our thoughts today. Manchester City's defensive frailties. How can they be resolved? Will they ever be resolved? Reading where the danger is and maybe kicking a few myths into touch too, we're joined today by our very own Dunn and Distan, our very own Vinny and Jolian. It's Lloyd Scrag and Joe Butterfield. Hi Lloyd, you okay mate? Hi mate, um, Distan for me, please. You can have Distan, are you happy with Dunn, Joe? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> you well Lloyd? Yeah, I'm good mate, I'm good. Uh, I feel like winter's here now isn't it, with this storm. Um, which is a bit depressing, but we we move, we carry on. <laughs> we move, I like that. How are you, Joe? You, you were feeling similarly kind of depressed with winter ahead. Uh, it's more just the fact that now we're back uh, back working from home. Thought we thought we were out of this now, but um, mm. yeah, back to the uh, back to the home office rather than rather than being out at work. I've I've never well, I never worked in office. I've worked in office for years, and I work from home. So when lockdown one happened. <laughs> Because that's what's going to be known as lockdown one. Um, yeah. I was fine. It was my normal day-to-day living. But yeah, I can see how the changing circumstances would be weird for people. Especially yeah. with a kitchen nearby, as we discussed before the party. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's difficult to resist. Yeah, snacks at hand. That's never good. Um, right, before we get into City's backline issues, um, uh, on a lighter note, let's talk about the kids. Because that's really been something that's come to the fore the past couple of weeks. Uh, Liam Delap. Tommy Doyle, Cole Palmer, they've all impressed uh, in the League Cup. Um, Lloyd, can you see one, two, maybe even all three of them making a meaningful impact on the squad in the near future? Yeah, I think I can. Um, And I think there has been a little bit of a, I don't know, I feel like there's been a little bit of a sea change, um, which is kind of following off a conversation that Asan and Howard had yesterday. But I feel like this is the first time under Pep anyway, we've seen him kind of, trust the kids I mean to to bring Delap on in a Premier League game and take Fernandinho off again I know I've said this on the review but that's just such an unpep thing to do um, and I think that shows ultimately that he thinks that they're they're good enough because I think we know with Pep that he's not going to bring anyone on just for five minutes to give them a debut he's just not that kind of manager so yeah I think there's I think there is an opportunity and I think particularly for to me anyway I think Delap and Palmer are the two that I think if they continue to show a good level and kind of push in training, mainly because I think in those two positions, we are a bit light. You know, I think everyone wants Hussamoa from Leon. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get anyone in, in that kind of position. And so if Palmer can do the bits that he did against Burnley, um, and, you know, that was a pretty full strength Burnley team, then... He could definitely be a be- he could definitely be an option, you know, maybe just off the bench or something. But it's an extra extra body, and then I think the same with Delap. Um, you know, Sergio's out always for a couple of months a, a season. But I think more importantly, what we've seen from Delap, even in the kind of 120 minutes that he's played, is he he is such a different option for us than um, than Serge and, and Jesus, and gives us something we've really not had in in years. And I I actually think both of them. Have shown up really well, um, given given kind of the pressure on them, and I think when you get played in, in a in a game like that, it is it is just you know it's almost like a one off. You've got to do well because the chances are if you don't, you'll probably you probably won't see the first team again for six months. So I think yeah. for me, those two are, are the ones that have definitely got an opportunity. 
Joe, I mean, it's very hard to say. I know there's, there's no way of knowing this for sure, but when you look ahead into the future, um, you know, two years down the line, three years down the line, could you see Delap, Doyle or Palmer being a first-team regular for City? I, I hope so. I hope we can at least maybe see them become squad players because I think that's kind of that's that's kind of the thing that we really need. And I think I think Ferguson did the did this best at United, just sort of using using the academy players who might not necessarily have gone on to become like world beaters. They weren't going to be you know Ballon d'Or winners in the future or anything like that. But they were good enough to to just pad out the squad and just yeah. to be there as backups in situations or to be used in cup games. And I think that's the one thing that City have been really not good at in the last well basically since the takeover. We've we've always if we've had a squad position that we've needed to fill, we've we've gone out and bought like a top class player who could directly compete with the first team player and to an extent you do need that to have that competition for the spots in places like that but it's just it, it can just save the club so much money to just have players like like these three like like Dilap Doyle and Palmer who can just come in for the you know the odd game against like lower league opposition um coming for cup games and stuff like that it just it, it helps on in 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 loads of different ways I think um I actually think Doyle might have a, a decent chance of, of coming through. I don't know. I, I see him and Lloyd might be able to correct me on this because I'm sure he's probably seen more of Doyle than, than I have because I've basically only seen what he's had in the first team. Um, but he looks a bit like similar to, to Gundogan in the sense that he sort of plays, he can play deep, but also move forward a little bit. And I think that maybe when Gundogan moves on, if, if we don't just, if we don't just go full Fernandinho replacement and sign someone who can do exactly what Fernandinho does, in which case I think the door then pretty much shuts on the kind of player that Doyle is because Rodri's still quite young. Um, I think he could possibly step into Gundawan's shoes when he goes. Um, Dilap as well is obviously like, you know, it's great to have a, an option like him. I think it was, it was so good against, uh, in that cameo we had against Leicester to just see a cross go in and have someone towering yes. with a header yeah. to actually like have a chance on goal rather than just watch these crosses just going aimlessly into the box to, you know, five foot ten Sergio Aguero. It's, uh, it's just good to see that. And, um, Palmer, I, I honestly don't know anything about Palmer apart from what I saw of him, uh, midweek, but he, he, there was definitely flashes of brilliance that I saw there. And obviously, if they can, if, if he can do that consistently against teams that, and, and Burnley are a Premier League team, they might have been a, as equally injury ravaged as we are. But, you know, to put that in against a team like Burnley, who are very physical, is, uh, definitely a good sign. Well, I mean, Carl Palmer is the player out of the three who I've seen the least of. And yeah, ironically, he's the one who's impressed me the most. I mean, that, that, Debut, I thought he was superb and he, he showed um he's quite languid in his movement and quite kind of you know at ease at that level. Um and I thought that was important. As for yeah. Liam Delap, I'll just quickly say that when he hit the crossbar with that header against Leicester, ten percent of me was relieved because imagine if I'd gone in, that would have just been, you know, Michael Owen levels of hype around the lad. Ten percent of you was relieved, Steve. We needed the goal, mate. What are you on about? Well, just for him, I was slightly relieved. I thought, oh my god, if I because I think that was that his second touch or something. I thought if he'd scored with his second touch then after his previous game as well and all the hype around that, I thought that would have been too much for him. Um, yeah, oh, give me the hype. I reckon. I'll take <laughs> okay, the hype. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> let's get let's get back in the game. Well, just um, on, on that note, Lloyd, do you think? I mean, again, different personalities of course and there's no way of knowing this for sure but kind of intuitively do you think that these players you know when the media and people on Twitter say oh let's not lavish them with too much hype do you think they'd actually embrace the hype do you think they get a buzz off it yeah why not I mean I think it's just part of modern football really isn't it I think yeah. the way that you know the way the social media is things get clipped and you know um it does the rounds and it gets all the kind of retweets and everyone ends up watching it. So I think 
think footballers, particularly lads that are that young as well, they've just grown up with that. So I think it, it is just it's just the modern world, really. Um, yeah. On the lap as well, I actually spoke to um, one of the performance analysts at City, and he said um, that he thinks of the three. He's got the best chance because he's got an unbelievable attitude, apparently. Right. And that's what um, really uh, kind of drew City to him when we went and nicked him from Derby. Um, he actually played against us, I think, in a in, in an under-18s game. And um, Joe Shields, who's City's like head of head of recruitment at youth level, went and basically did the deed. Um, but yeah, apparently Delap's got a, got an incredible attitude, and that's what's really impe- impressed Pep in training. Right. Okay, that's good to know. And I'm looking at the three now. I mean, I believe just I've seen very little of Cole Palmer, but like I say, he really impressed me. Liam Delap, similarly so, and exactly the kind of player that we lack. Tommy Doyle. I mean, it's just a competition for places. But Joe has really kind of perked me up there by kind of referring back to the Ferguson era at United. I think that's a really good. It's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't remember his name. What was his? Um, what was Ferguson's son called? Ah, uh, yeah. Paddy McNair. Um, the midfielder wasn't he but you know in a similar vein where he could just come through play a few games because he was at United for a long time so um, yeah he could well have a future at City and to see Tommy Doyle play with Phil Foden that would be amazing I think we I think we just need to make that a bit more of a regular feature to be honest I think even that that can that can be that kind of exposure to game time even if it is just at such like a low level like that that can sort of be because that's always been what we've struggled with and that's why so many academy players have just walked out the door because they know that they've not even had that opportunity mm. um, we've it's we've been in the last five or six years it's been like if we see Adarabayo in a cup game against the league one team like it's like oh this is great we've got a, we've got a youngster out there but I think Foden coming through and now with if, if these three start to get some more regular game time this year, then that will hopefully be the sort of advert for the for the academy that maybe has been missing. And, yeah. and Garcia as well. I think, you know, even though we've got him from Spain, he is technically an academy product and he's come all the way through. Even if he yeah. does leave, I still think he's a he's a valid case for the academy doing its job. Yeah. Okay, let's go a bit downbeat here. Let's kind of go from the sublime to often the ridiculous um City's defensive frailties, which, let's face it, has gone on for quite some time now. Um, Let's start with you, Lloyd. How much of the blame could be laid at the feet of individuals on this? Um, I'd say quite a bit. I'd say it's pretty split. Um, And it requires context, because I think, like, the thing is, we're coming off the Leicester game when, for me, that had a lot to do with individuals probably more so than a lot of the defeats last season. Like if you think back about you think back back about the Leon game, I think for me a lot of the Leon game is, is at Pep, really. Yeah. Um whereas the way that the Leicester game transpired, you know, those three penalties, I mean I I've almost not seen that before in professional football, never mind for a city game. So it was just, you know, just scandalous defending, particularly yeah. from Garcia. It was like Norwich last season, wasn't it? What you hoped to be a one-off in that regard. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, hopefully they can prove it's a one-off. But I, I, I do think you can look at individuals. Um, but I think, again, it's a case-by-case basis. So, you know, generally, Kyle Walker's got a bit of a rick in him. But I think for the last 18 months, he's been near faultless, to be fair. And I think, I think he deserves, actually, you know, when that happens to get his backing, I think then you go to Mendy. And I feel really bad for Mendy because clearly his body, his body's been let down. Um, uh, sorry, he's been let down by his body, and it's a bit, it's a bit 
it's a bit shite seeing him out there and kind of not the player that he was when he was at Monaco because clearly it's frustrating, but ultimately that's what we've got to deal with and he that's the defender that he is now. So, um, and I think, you know, Mendy last season made at least five big errors where it was just like, you know, Chelsea away, what was that all about? You know, away at Wolves, um, you know, already this season, I think that's the game I thought he was terrible. Um Garcia, again, individual errors, but lacks pace. So I, I do think it's a case-by-case case basis, but I, I said this on the review last week. I, I do think for some reason, I don't know why, like, Laporte is just a golden chip and when he plays, everything just looks better. Um, and it's a little bit like Vinny in the kind of 2012-2013 days um, that we just need to keep him in the side because it seems to have a transformative effect on the rest of the team. Um Look, hopefully Diaz coming in as well will will really help things. So I think it's a let's wait and see. But the signs being the same as last season is obviously concerning, and it's why everyone was so downbeat, understandably after after Sunday. Was it was it you, Lloyd, who brought up the stat about Ake not um, being responsible for a single error during his time at Bournemouth? Yeah, and it's it was the same. It's actually the same for Diaz last season as well. Didn't really? make an error. Didn't make an error leading to um, directly leading to a goal. Which okay. is positive, um, but I do think the caveat for that is, particularly on Ake, is that he, when you're playing in a side um, like Bournemouth, it's a little bit different to when you're playing for City. The, the chances of you making an error are obviously so much higher because you're playing so much higher up the pitch and the risk yeah. is much greater. So if that's the case for Diaz, then I think obviously that's encouraging because Benfica are a big team, they dominate the ball, etc. So yeah, let's see, eh? Let's see indeed. Um Right, Joe, my kind of pet theory on this really is, or the way I, I kind of regard it is, if an individual makes a rick, then I'll blame him and I'll criticise him. But overall, I don't blame the individuals. Um, it's the setup and how we basically play is always going to lead to our back four or often our back two um, being exposed and quite horribly so at times. Now, again, my theory used to be that used to be kind of covered by Fernandinho who used to just basically his energy and his work rate and he used to kind of just mop up time and time again and save us now we've got Rodri a player who I greatly admire but is his lack of pace and mobility a problem for City to have a player like that you know in a system that we play is it going to be now going forward where we're always just going to be exposed at the back yeah, I think it's, I, I, I see a lot of sort of criticism of Rodri for exactly that reason. I think it's all quite harsh because I think City knew who they were signing when they got him mm. and they knew that he was going to be an entirely different, you know, a, a different beast to Fernandinho. Um, I really, I really rate him. I think like obviously the control that he provides from like the deep part of the pitch and like his range of passing is just, is, is great. I mean, he's, we've seen already this season some of like those looped balls over the top of a, of a back line can really just like create a lot of chances if the, if the attackers do the right thing when he gets there. Um, it just happens to be completely different to what Fernandinho gives us. Um, it's, it's, it's weird because last season Pep decided even before Laporte got injured that Fernandinho was going to be a centre back and that he was out of the, out of the defensive mid question. And I feel like maybe the fact that Fernandinho's come back into defensive mid this season to be the double pivot, whether that's necessary, whether that's out of necessity because of Gundogan's gone or whether this is Pep's actual choice. I think he's maybe seen that it's something that needs to be covered by somebody else. And I think to be fair, when Gundogan plays alongside him, as as much as Gundogan can frustrate people because it often doesn't look like he's actually doing too much. Um, he is quite good at breaking up play and making interceptions and stuff like that. Um, 
but I think this is, I think this kind of comes back to, to, you know, to what extent kind of Pep is to blame for the defensive problems because, um, I listened to the, uh, the post Leicester pod and like, I, I fully agree with Howard's, um, assessment that Pep's insistence on playing a high line against the likes of Leicester. Um, against United last season where, you know, they did the double over us because they did exactly what every single City fan knew they were going to do, which was sit back and then just have Rashford and Martial to tackle us on the counter. And it's just, it's just frustrating. Like it's, why can't Pep just change this approach, especially to cater for the personnel like Rodri and stuff like that. And if you're going to put Fernandinho at centre-back, then he obviously can't do those tactical fouls that have been so important to us not having these situations against us because he's going to be the last man. So why can't you just change the approach five or six times a season, sit slightly deeper, not, not, you know, not on the edge of our own area, but just not on the halfway line and maybe give us a bit more cover at the back. But I think it's just the way Pep is. I don't think he'll ever change. I don't think, I don't think we'll ever not play that halfway line, defensive high line. It's just, it's, he he's his ultimate belief is that if we have the ball, then the opposition can't attack us, and he'll just he'll just try to rather than try to stop the defensive side of things, he'll just try to make sure we have the ball more, no matter what. Okay. Do you know what? Do you know what I found really interesting though is looking at Arsenal over the last nine months and looking at Arteta. Obviously, he's been alongside Pep for what two two and a half years at City. The approaches that he's taken in big games, I found really interesting actually. Because yeah, he's he's obviously you know a disciple of Pep and you know they hold a lot of the same ideals together. But the amount of times that Arsenal, yeah, okay, it might be because they don't have exactly the same number of players as City that can dominate the ball. But he has been a lot more pragmatic and seeded possession in big games, and it's really worked. I mean, his his record in cups is excellent. Um, another win over Liverpool, and I know you know it was penalties, but. You know, beat them in the um, Community Shield. Obviously, won the FA Cup last year, and has generally had really good success against bigger teams. So, I think I think that's really interesting, actually, because obviously that's something that Pep hasn't done. And for me, it feels like Arteta's kind of watched everything unravel at City and go, you know what? Maybe I might do something slightly different. Well, I mean, if that is the case, and I, and I completely go along with that, I've seen evidence of that myself. But if we are just going to stay playing as we when we play, and, and as Pep is, is going to refuse to compromise. Then does the blame lie elsewhere then? Does it lie further up the field with kind of, you know, a more diminished pressing than what we used to see? Um, it's something Gary Neville pointed out last week. Um, and I felt this for some time and, and I was kind of, you know, fully in agreement with him that when we lose possession or when, you know, the opposition have a ball at the back and, and they're looking to break, we're not closing them down at anything like with the same ferocity as what we used to. So, um, well, whoever wants to go first. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I actually think the pressing's been, it's looked better for me this season. Right. It's, it's looked a bit better. I think having, um, having Phil in the team massively helps. Um, and I actually thought, particularly against Wolves, it was really good. Um, and even in parts against Leicester, I thought, to be honest, I thought Leicester played an amazing game in, in the sense that they sprung up at the right times, they picked their moments and they passed with quality out of the press. I thought City looked slightly better than last season, but still not great in the Leicester game. But I've seen signs that it, there's a bit more intensity there. But I agree, we're still we're still not pressing with the same extent as we were um, kind of 17, 18, 18, 19. But I... I kind of I know where Neville's coming from with that, but I actually do think it's looked a little bit better recently. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, well, let's, let's hope so. Uh, I'd also extend that as well to tactical fouls as well. I mean, Fierno was a master at it. And, you know, obviously I know he's played in midfield the past couple of games, but last season we missed that. Uh, and for the whole time as well, I'll, I'll come clean now, this whole time when the media have talked about tactical fouls and City fans have been in uproar about it, I've been on Twitter alongside him saying, it's outrageous, why are they singling us out? Whilst the whole time thinking, yeah, we do do it a lot. <laughs> it was a one, big one part. One thing I actually clocked... One thing I actually clocked after the Burnley game is they they flashed the stats up at the end and it said like City with like sixty eight percent possession or whatever it was, and we committed twelve fouls to their three. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, that is that is City. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a necessary part of our system. It really is. Um, okay, Joe. Um, it's already been discussed. Uh, Diaz. Um, Lloyd's already mentioned, you know, him coming in and his lack of kind of mistakes last season um, offers some hope. But generally speaking, just kind of looking at, you know, the defensive issues and how City, feel, City fans feel about it. And we've been a touch optimistic to think that a 23-year-old individual who will have to adapt to another league, of course, can solve our issues. Um, I think it's it's obviously optimistic to think that he's going to solve all the problems, but then I, I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of look at Laporte and the effect that he has when he comes into the team, and sort of the effect that he had as soon as he came in when he, yeah. when we first signed him. And I don't think that there's you know he he Laporte wasn't much older than Diaz when he arrived, and I don't and you know the difference between Laporte being in and out of the team is is you know it's night and day. Um, if if Diaz can sort of bring. It can bring like a similarly raised level in the back four. I think I think we're all agreed that Diaz is, is better is a better option, even without having watched him play, than a, a very slow nineteen year old Eric Garcia who doesn't want to be here, <laughs> or or you know or a hilariously injury prone needs four or five games to get some confidence. John Stones, um, and he, and the the most important thing about Diaz, I think, that's going to really be a big deal is everyone who's you know who's spoke to, about him everyone in and around Benfica they're all agreed that he's he's a leader he's he's you know he wants to take control of the, of the defense around him he wants to he's constantly talking to people and I think I'm sure there is an element of that in the back four at the moment but I, I don't think there's been anyone who's been quite on that sort of company level I'm not saying that Diaz is going to be on the company level but if he's anywhere close then that'll be something that the, the back the back line's been missing since company left um if he's, you know, he's he's young. If he's here for, if he's here for six, seven, eight years, then he can very easily ad- adapt into that kind of leader at the back. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's obviously it's not going to happen overnight. He's not gonna he's not gonna walk into the lead start in eleven and just we're immediately gonna keep clean sheets every week and we're gonna be great at the back. But um, I, I do think there's a very legitimate reason to think that he'll come in and, and improve things sooner rather than later. I, I mean, personally, I completely agree. Um, but personally. I think that the big kind of thing for City would be to sign a 23-year-old Fernandinho. If he's out there, if, if you're listening to this and you know of someone out there, let us know, please. Or rather, let the club <laughs> know. Because I think that would, that would kind of solve a lot of problems, that stroke. Um, okay, let's move on to the Champions League draw, which was made yesterday. Uh, Lloyd, happy with the draw? Yeah, I mean, pretty good, right? I think... Um I actually had this conversation with Asan yesterday. I was a little bit like, oh, I wish we kind of got one good team just to kind of push us. Yeah. And then he was like, nah, mate, the schedule's going to be too, too hectic this, this year. You just, you just want decent games where you know you're not going to be too pushed. And actually, since he said that, I was like, you know what? I think he's probably right. Um, and I think Marseille coming out uh, last was good because I think that means ultimately that none of them are easy games. Um, there's no, I, 
there's no like absolute whipping boys in there. Um, you know, like a, you know, I, I didn't even know some of the teams that came. Out, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ashley Cole, he couldn't pronounce them. <laughs> Stunk in the Europa League, some of them. But um, yeah, no, I think I think Marseille, Porto, um, Olympiacos, all of them are you know got decent kind of football heritage, as Mourinho would say. Um, I think the main the main bummer is that I was planning to go on quite a few Champions League away uh, this season and Porto Athens and the Côte d'Azur doesn't get much better than that does it Laz? so uh, that's a fucking pisser but um, what can you do um, no, but no I think overall I think we've you know we've we've avoided a genuine big boy in like a Bayern or a PSG or someone like that um, so yeah I think no complaints really I think we've been very lucky in the last few years, haven't we, with our draws? We have, and we've done well as well. You know, okay, you can only beat what's put in front of you, but we've beat them. So, um, Joe, do you see any dangers kind of ahead, or are you pretty confident that it should be a relatively straightforward group stage? Yeah, I think, I think, I think if we're not topping that group, then something's something's gone horrifically wrong somewhere. Yeah, um, we should be. There's probably there's probably people out there who who watch Porto and Olympiacos on a regular basis who can come up with a reason why they're actually going to be really difficult. But there's there's no way that we shouldn't just be beating those teams. Um, I've heard quite good things about Marseille. To be fair, I think they've got Vias Boas um, managing them now, and they've looked apparently since the uh, the return and even sort of into the lead up to to football being cancelled in the French league, they've apparently looked quite good. Um, so they they'll probably be ironically out of coming out of pot four. They might be the most difficult team that we have to to play in that group. Um, but it, either way, we we should be topping that group easily. I I just couldn't believe it. Pepe still plays for Porto when looking into the teams. I mean, he must be eighty seven now, surely to God. <laughs> I think he's played for my entire lifetime, Pepe. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I go along with all of that. Um, what I say, I do believe will be the slightly more difficult um, of, of three. Um, Porto, of course, can always you know can beat anyone on the day. But yeah, if, if you faced one of these three sides in a quarter final, you'd be ecstatic. You think, right? We've got the, the team that you can you know knock out. Having said that, that's what we thought about Leon last season, wasn't it? And that went pear shaped. So, but in the group stage, yeah, we we, we should qualify, and you know we have got. A good track record recently in the group stages, which is encouraging. Um, and talking of good track records, it doesn't get any better than ours in the Carabao Cup. Uh, quarterfinal draw was made last night. Arsenal, could have been Liverpool. I wanted Liverpool. I want to deal with them myself this season. I want to knock them out. <laughs> Instead, it's Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Lloyd, firstly, are you happy that it's Arsenal and not Liverpool? Because, you know, obviously that penalty shootout could have gone anyway. Oh, have we lost Lloyd? Maybe. Do you want me to answer it? Yeah, yeah, Joseph could, yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I, I think uh, basically, I think Arsenal's probably the toughest draw that we could have got. I mean, if obviously, if, if Arsenal weren't there, then it would have been Liverpool, and that would have been the toughest draw we could have got. Right. Um, but I think, you know, Arteta's, Arteta's shown that he knows how to play against this side. Um, we saw it in the FA Cup uh, last season. And I do think that, you know, the, the first game back from lockdown where we, we played against them and we beat them, I, that you do have to take the red card into account for, um, mm. for that one. Um, he's got his team quite defensive, as we spoke about before, he's got his team quite defensively organized and he knows how to play in the big games and it's probably helped his, them progress so well in the cups. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a difficult one. I still I, st- I still think because it's in December, so there's, you know there's plenty of there's plenty of stuff that could have changed by then. Arsenal oh, yeah. could be on like a bit of a slump. We could have our full team 
up and raring and we could be fully, you know, back to is our it, peak. Is it home or away? Not that it matters. Uh, it's away, I think. Yeah, I think away? it's away. I'm not altogether sure. I only saw the draw as in who we were playing, but um, I think it's away. Yeah, so, uh, like yeah. Say, not that it matters. <laughs> no, no, this is it. I, I, I don't. I, I, there's not. There wasn't a team that I saw when I looked at the teams that we had that we could have got that I would have liked to have played less than than Arteta's Arsenal, mm. basically. Yeah, they, they, they seem to have a bit of a hacks over us in, in cup competitions. I know we beat them in the in the League Cup final itself, but you know the FA Cup semi um, last season, of course, as well. Uh, well, yeah, two FA Cup semi. So yeah, it could have. Could have been a lot easier when you look at um, the other teams out there. Stoke City, for example, Manchester United. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Lloyd, um, if it's not City this year, if we don't make it four out of four, who are you backing? Ooh, uh, probably uh, probably Arsenal, Yeah, to be honest. Um, I really hope Klopp and Liverpool don't win it because I really don't want them to win any domestic trophies so that that can remain as like a... Shit house barb to throw at them. Um, are they gone now? No, no, yeah, no. Oh, god, yeah, of course they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not them out. okay. Well, that point applies to the FA Cup as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would the the one that jumped out to me was definitely Arsenal. And yeah. I think, like I said, Arteta's record in, in cups or in one off games like Community Shield is, I mean, it's proven to be excellent, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Let's look ahead to the Leeds game this weekend. Um, you know what? If it wasn't for the Leicester result, I'd be bang up for this. I'd be really looking forward to this. Bielsa v Pep um, at Leeds. I know it's an empty Ellen Road and it would be a lot better if it was full, but um, what a game this is. Um, so Lloyd, what's your thoughts on Leeds and how they've taken to the Premier League so far? I think they've been a breath, breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, super excited to see Bielsa in the Prem. Um, I think it's kind of proven to be that. Um it's just, I think it's always exciting when championship teams come up and they kind of play in the way that that Leeds do, and uh, you know, take the ball and and kind of go for it. Because as much as you know, I, I'm in a minority. I do like Sean Dyche, but watching Burnley and you know teams like that, it's not it's not great, is it? Um, it's, it's horrible. It's boring. It is. It yeah. is horrible, and it's horrible also when they come to us and you know we just have a seventy percent possession game where. You know, we have to try and pick the lock, and then Rodri mm. complain. Rodri ends up complaining about how it's unfair after the game. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just all a bit annoying. Um, so no, it's it's great, and I think you're right. If you know, if lesser didn't happen, I think we'd all be talking about the battle of the minds and how you know it's going to be kind of two, you know, just loose teams going at it. Whereas I think the context now, given how Liverpool have played over there all their games this season, is I think this is a must-win for City. To be honest, I think. Yeah. I think we have to go into um, the international break with at least six points. Um, because and I, you know, I said that before the beginning of the season because we're going to get hopefully at least three or four players back post post that. We've obviously got Arsenal first up, and we just can't allow the Scousers to run away with it um, early doors. So I don't, I don't give, I don't give one how how we get the points on um, Saturday, but we basically just have to win. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I won't be looking at the performance on, on Saturday. It is a three points. Um, to get those three points, Joe, do you think Pep will tailor his lineup because it's Bielsa? Will, will that be... I mean, we have seen it in the past, of course, with Pep, where, particularly against Liverpool, where he will adapt his team accordingly when he comes up against coaches and teams he particularly admires. Uh, I, I, see, I'm... I'm 
I'm completely torn on this. I think he either won't tailor his lineup at all because that's just Pep is. I think it's, we're basically watching two quite sort of dogmatic managers who just like have their styles of play. We're just yeah. seeing the two of them sort of come come head to head. So I don't know whether Pep will just go with his standard team, knowing that Bielsa will go with his standard tactics, and then it'll just be a bit of a shootout, or whether Pep is going to do classic overthink, and then we're going to end up seeing some really ridiculous decisions being made. Um, and we're gonna and we're gonna you know watch us struggle with a fo- with a formation that players aren't entirely comfortable with. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to really sort of know what to expect from. I've I think I was I was saying to you before the pod like a lot of people like to sort of pre- pretend that they know a lot about Leeds and Bielsa because it makes them sound intelligent. But I don't have a I don't have a clue about about <laughs> Leeds. I don't know what they're like. I've, I've watched I've I've literally watched the games that they've played this season, and I, and I'm going to be honest when I watched them play against Liverpool and put three past them and press them really well, I thought we're going to struggle against this lot because mm. that's exactly the, that organised press yeah, as we've seen when we play against people. Liverpool. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 exactly the kind of thing that we tend to struggle with. Um, so if that's if if they if they put in a performance similar to what they put in at, um, at Anfield, which oh no, it was Ellen Road that they played against that played out, wasn't it? If they put in a similar if they put in a similar performance to that. Then I think that there's there's a real chance that we're going to struggle with that, but it depends it depends whether they're up for it in the same way that they were in the first game of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, we can surely anticipate goals in this one. Um, I'd be immensely surprised if it was a nil nil, and hopefully, I haven't put a kibosh on it by saying that. Uh, as regards to the, the lineup, just staying with that, Lloyd, um, are there any surprises in store for you, or do you think it would be, a, you know, a, a lineup where we can all immediately identify with? Well, I think it'll be informed by. Um, Bielsa's uh, defensive restructuring which I didn't realise he did until I spoke to my mate Luke who's a Leeds fan and apparently they will change their defence depending on how many strikers um, yes. the opposition yeah. play so against Sheffield obviously they played two up top so he played played a back five um, obviously I think we can all agree we're probably going to just play one up top so it'll probably be a back four so I would hope that Pep's going to go Four three three, two eights, play like we did against Burnley. Um and to be honest, in terms of the lineup, I would imagine Diaz comes straight in because he's already played for Benfica. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna sign this guy and you're gonna kinda go, right, this this guy is our guy to replace Vincent Company, I think he's gotta go straight in. Well Port came Laporte. in after like one training session, didn't it? So hopefully hopefully we do see it. Yeah, and so he'll have trained Thursday, Friday. He played for Benfica when City didn't want him to last week. So he's clearly match fit. So I'd be throwing him straight in. Um, I think the other one is, I don't know if it's a surprise, but I, I feel like Pep might throw Bernardo in, uh, into the middle if he wants to go 4 3 3. Um, and kind of play him alongside Kevin and one of Rodri or Ferner, but, Apart from that, I imagine it'll be what we expect. So, you know, Raz, Foden, um, maybe Torres instead of Mares, Um, And then the rest of the team will, you know, I think will pick itself. Does any does any part of you think that we're going to see the double pivot back again? And we're just going to see the kind of what we did. I think we did it at points against Leicester, was it? Where we, we almost played a 4-4-2 at times and Kev was just up there next to... Um, well, that, I mean, that would certainly work. I'd be, I'd be surprised if, if he goes for that again after Leicester. I, I just think I, I if, think it could work against Leeds for precisely the reason you said, Lloyd. Where you know it'd take Bielsa by surprise. We'll play two up front essentially. Yeah, if he's if he's gonna if he's gonna change his back his, his defense, the number of centre backs he's got there based on how many strikers we play, 
then I think Pep's going to pick something where he's going to have that flexibility to just change it halfway through. And <laughs> we're, we're doing it now, aren't we? I hope he doesn't, Which, because I think... Yeah, I obviously hope he doesn't. We, yeah. we play... Look, I mean, Burnley's a perfect example, and I know it's, you know, against Burnley, and, you know, they weren't at full, full strength, but we play our best football when we play 4 free, free. We play two guys ahead of a deep-line midfielder, and I think with Torres particularly now, because Mares has been shit recently... Um, yeah, we've got a genuine option to have a bit more genuine width um, because Torres can go both ways. I think we saw that against Burnley and we've seen it uh, in his Spain performances as well. So I'd just like to see us kind of just hark back a little bit to the two title winning seasons and just go, it's very unpep, but just go, this is our best team. You know, let's see what you lads have got because we're just going to go for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's end on a question that you two can answer in any which way you you like, any subject really, any kind of um, detail. From the four, we'll start with you, Joe. From the four competitive games you've seen Manchester City play so far, has your perception of this season changed regarding how City will do? Um, see, so so to to start off with uh, with answering this, I I'm going back to um the sort of preseason pod that you guys did, mm. where it was a uh, Ace Asan and Jordan had their uh, positive v negative. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. Discussion. The, the going positively or negatively going into the season? I actually I actually ended up agreeing with both of them quite a bit when I was listening to the points they were making. When Jordan was going on about like our defensive issues and how we've not solved anything, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, he's got a point. And then when Asan was like, well, we've got. The, one of the best squads in the league and on our day we can beat anyone I was like yeah well fair enough he's right <laughs> so uh, but as it's gone on though we you know we beat Wolves and and then I was like oh Asan was right all along you know we, 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 we're, Man- we're Manchester City and we can beat anyone even if we've got even if we've got this injury ravaged squad we've still got the quality to beat most teams on our day um, and then the Leicester game happened and I was like oh god Jordan was right wasn't it it's like we've not solved any <laughs> of our defensive issues but what, we're seeing a double pivot every week uh, we really are doomed. We're watching strikers miss chances all the time. It's just nothing's changed. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. In reality, it's going to be difficult to really make a, a true judgment until the transfer window's closed and a few games have come after that and sort of when a lot of our squad has returned because it's 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 just difficult to really draw too many conclusions when we've got... Uh, is it is it eight? Is it eight, seven or eight players that we've got out now for whatever reason? Um, hopefully with Diaz back in, um, with Bernardo returning, we'll, we'll, we'll see... Hopefully, a lot of them will return by the time the um, international break's been and gone. Um, we'll we'll have a better idea of what to expect throughout the season. But to be honest, the thing that's got me sort of most worried is Liverpool. Um, I thought that I was more hope than anything else that there'd be a bit of a hangover from the last yes. two seasons, kind of yeah. like we saw with City this, in the last two. But you know, they they just they don't look like they've been affected at all. I don't know whether the fact that they took it easy after after Project Restart, which showed in the results, has kind of has kind of helped them because they've had had a bit. They, they took that a bit less seriously than the rest of it, or um, you know, or maybe it's just the fact that apparently like sixty odd percent of their squad has asthma and it really helps the fitness <laughs> levels. Um, allegedly, like um, it, yeah. and a six and a, and a six point. You know, they've opened a six point gap already. Um, which is a psychological boost for them, and it's really worrying that they might just take that and just go on to like win the league at a canter. Um, especially Mate, Ross, if our problems. Ross this weekend, don't you worry? <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. yeah, I hope so. Yeah. If, um, but yeah, if our problems turn out to be more systematic than than, than personnel related, then I think we've got uh, I think we've got a real problem. And again, uh, I know it's been mentioned on this pod plenty of times before, but we don't know what effect Pep's 
it, lack of committing to signing a new contract or leaving can have on the players, if any at all. But it's it's just there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, um, I mean I I agree with you. But it's too early to say really, and it's too too early to put this question across. But personally, my feelings have changed, and the optimism has dwindled somewhat, largely down to the last result, and largely from what I've seen from Liverpool this season. Um, Lloyd, is that the same with you or? Um, well, first of all, before the season started, how did you kind of um, predict that it all go for City? Yeah, so I have to nail my colours to the mast every year doing the uh, Guardian thing. Yeah. And I was op- optimistic, but also pessimistic as well at the same time. I think Joe just mentioned that I think it's a shit show to go into the season with no finality on Guardiola and or another manager. I think it just leaves you... It just leaves you open to basically two shit results early doors, which, you know, if we fuck up at Leeds, then that could be it. And it could just unravel so quickly and it could be Pellegrini final season all over again. But instead of it happening from Feb onwards, it happens from November. Um, so I think it just, it, it's just annoying because it, it gives you less margin for error, particularly when this Liverpool team is so good. And I do think they'll drop this season, but they haven't yet and the pressure's on. So, I was, you know, optimistic because I thought, I, I still think the players will react, but I think the Leicester game has naturally has just, it's hit my confidence because I just didn't expect a result like this to happen in the first three games. I thought, you know, we are prone to those kind of games. And even in, even in the title winning seasons, we had the odd one, but to have its second game of the season and to have it to such a level where, we got absolutely battered and we looked so poor going forward. It is concerning. But I think David Mooney actually made a really good point. Um, he, he said what it needs to be is our Cardiff away in um, in the 2013-14 Pellegrini season where yeah. second game we just looked shit, conceded three, um, couldn't really get out of the blocks and you know managed to put that behind us and kind of go from there. Um, so I'm still hopeful that's the case, but I do think another bad result early doors, and it could be, it could be very concerning. I mean, if we drop off anything more than six points behind the Scousers at this point, and I know we've got a game in hand, it's uh, it won't be good. But you know, let's try and be positive. I, I do, I do think Diaz coming in and Laporte hopefully staying fit w- w- could be massive. So let's see what they can do. Eh? Okay, right. Well, it's time to wrap things up, guys. Um, thanks very much for joining me today, Joe. Cheers, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And thanks, Lloyd. Cheers, to you, lad. Tomorrow's oh, thanks very much for listening. Of course, as ever to everyone. Um, tomorrow's game against Leeds, as, as Lloyd has, has said, feels very important. It feels defining. Losing the supporters will have a meltdown, while the media will condemn us as a busted flush. Winning, everything is back on track. I suppose I should try for something insightful to say at this point, but all I've got is, come on City. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and forever up the blues.